Well, amen, amen. Again, good morning to all of you who are here on site, and for those of you who are joining us online, welcome. We are in our fourth and final week of our current sermon series titled, Anxious for Nothing. And it's based on that Philippians 4 passage, which is verses 4 through 7, where it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Be anxious about, excuse me, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So the I'm not, I don't have time to go back to all the messages, but I pray that because we have the playback option, you can go to our YouTube channel or to our uh, Facebook uh, page and check out the messages from previous weeks. But we spoke about prayer, how important prayer is in our lives. In every situation, as the scripture is saying, we should go to God in prayer, by prayer and petition, and remember to give thanks in the midst of that prayer, as well as uh, another message was, the Lord is near. And then last week, I talked about how worship, uh, to choose worship over worry, how worshiping in the midst of whatever you're going through can break out from the darkness. So again, taking you out from the innermost dungeon, out from there where God is able to then provide and hear your prayer, your worship, your song, your message of hope, which is found in Christ Jesus, especially when we're down and out. Today, I want to go into a different type of anxiety as our last week when it deals with the decision-making anxieties in our lives. There are things that take place where it can cause anxiety from one person to another and at different levels. The same way that one, one person gets anxiety is a little different in how people, you know, circumstance of how the other individual is going to respond. But nonetheless, we go through different types of uh, anxiety in our lives. So again, the, de the decision-making anxiety. I want to share with you a few reasons that uh, people deal with anxiety. There's only a few. There are other reasons why. But the first one is that there are too many choices. Sometimes when we are up against making a decisions in our life, we, it's not just a simple this one or two or maybe three, but there's so many uh, choices out there for us to make decisions. For example, you know, when you're looking at the TV, there were times that, you know, that I remember when I was growing up, there was probably two, maybe three different channels. And I, I shared a few weeks ago that normally my dad is the one that had the quote unquote power in the house. The power meant the, re the remote control. But there was a time in my life where myself, or I'm going to add my siblings, we were the remote control. Where people, and when my dad or mom says, hey, get up, turn the channel. All right? And it was one of those, if you remember, is those channels that, you know, you have to just click the channel here. It wasn't more of that digital one. You have to go and, and turn it yourself. It was probably ABC or NBC or something. Now, you got so many options. But how about the time when those big console TVs that the antennas were out. My mom and dad used to bring out those metal hangers, right? And then because if the signal was getting lost, they'd say, okay, now I'll put it here. All right, Ricky, or another sibling, Ricky, go ahead and move. A little more, a little more. Right there, right there, don't move. I tried to be able to watch TV, I, I wanted to hear it because I was so paying attention to the uh, antenna. 
But the choices that are out there right now, over 300 channels or more, I'm pretty sure, where you got different packages, even sports packages or, or pay-per-views and different types of channels that you can choose from. And then you're there and you're going through the remote and you're going to say, I don't know what to watch, you know, here and there, you know, so many channels. And how about when you hear someone say, there's nothing to watch? All these choices, right? But there are things in our lives that because the, the more choices that there are, Sometimes we deal with anxiety. For example, if you're going to be buying a home, what type of choices do you have? The size of your home, the location, the, uh, is the kitchen big enough? Is it open space? Is it this? I mean, the choices that you have to make. And then when you're going to make that decision, I remember back in 2014 when I, my wife and I went to the, the location to uh, sign over for our home in Plymouth meeting. My goodness, the, day, the moment I had to write my name, it was like, man... Uh, I'm selling myself for another 30 years, in a sense. So it was a big responsibility, but we went through with it. But it, a little bit of anxiety, like we don't know how the house is going to be. Will we be there at this certain time? Will our, our children like it? So many questions that came about. Or how about maybe you didn't deal with that as much, but maybe uh, buying a, a car. You go in there, okay, what, what size of a car? What, what color of the car? What dealership should I go to? And when you go there, what amenities? I don't like this, or I want an entertainment system. I, the, the choices. And so when your moment comes, when you're about to sign, quote-unquote, your life away, you're wondering, how, how long is this car going to last me? Will it last me? What if I run into this? What if I run into that? So many questions. More choices can, can create more anxiety. The second reason I'll probably bring to you is decision-making anxiety is the fear of the consequences that if you make the wrong decision. That certainly is. When you, have to, when you know that you're the one that has to make the decision for yourself, for someone else, sometimes it's easier when it's for yourself. But when other people are involved, especially your family, when you're making a decision and it impacts everyone else, when you're making a decision at work and it impacts others, when you're making a decision in church and it impacts others, it's, it's a lot harder. So the weight of the anxiety can creep in to your life. But you know what? One of the things that the principles when you're dealing with decisions is that your past hurts may cause you to double-guess your present and future decisions. That's right. When people carry their past hurts because it didn't go the, what they thought it was going to be, the way that it was, they, they thought it was going to go, and all of a sudden, because of they, they are feeling guilt or condemnation or, or whatever, feeling that weight on them, that past experience causes them to double-guess a decision that they're about to make presently, like today or tomorrow or in the future. It affects our lives. So today, again, my focus is, the is the dealing with the anxiety of decision-making. We're going to go into the Old Testament book of uh, 1 Kings, chapter 3, where we're going to be hearing about a man named Solomon, King Solomon. But before we go into the reading, I want to share with you who Solomon was. Solomon was the son of David. That's right, the same David that defeated Goliath and became king. He was his son. He was not the oldest son, but he was the one chosen by David and blessed by God to be David's successor. Before he died, David had Solomon anointed king and avoided any problems from his eldest son, which is Adonijah. It says, who was already plotting to become king when David died. But after crowning uh, the new king, David told Solomon in First Chronicles 28, 9, where it says, Learn 
to know the God of your ancestors immediately. Intimately, excuse me. Worship and serve him with your whole heart and a willing mind. For the Lord sees the heart and knows every plan and thought. So with that in mind, I want to bring to you uh, 1 Kings chapter 3. I'm reading from the NLT version, so if you have your own Bibles, and for those of you watching online, the words will be up on the screen. I'll begin with uh, verse 5, a little bit after 5, where it says this. The Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream. And God said, uh, what do you want? Ask, and I will give it to you. So let me pause there for a moment. Because it's a, it's a longer scripture today, what I want to do is break it up in between. So here's God in a dream to Solomon, and he's asking that question, what do you want? And what, you know, ask, and I'll give it to you. If God was able to come into your dream and ask that question, are you ready to answer that question? To say, what do you want? Will you ask for, uh, uh, you know, popularity or celebrity status? Will you ask for wealth? Will you ask for uh, someone in power, someone, uh, a CEO? Will you ask for, what would you ask for if God came to you in a dream and says, what do you want? Ask, and I'll give it to you. In our hearts, we got to make sure that when we're going to prepare ourselves to answer that question, we've already looked at the scope of why we are responding the way we are to God to that same answer. So we're going to find out soon as to what Solomon did decide. So Solomon replied, You showed great and faithful love to your servant, my father, David, because he was honest and true and faithful to you, and you have continued to show this great and faithful love to him today by giving him a son to sit on his throne. Now, O Lord my God, you have made me king instead of my father, David, but I am like a little child who doesn't know his way around. And here I am in the midst of your chosen people, a nation so great and numerous, they cannot be counted. You know, that's where I I feel like it's a possibility that uh, Solomon may have thought, here I am, I am crowned a king into a great nation, someone that it cannot be counted, and here I am, not like my father. I'm grateful for your faithfulness and your love to, to him, but here I am, how am I supposed to lead your people? I am like a little child that he was writing in. Can you imagine the anxiety he must have been feeling? I did because many of you know, and I'm only saying this for those of you who are new, I remember when I was called to, um, to be appointed here at New Hanover, where I was minding my business in Conshohocken. You know, I was growing that, that church over there. We probably had uh, 110, 125 people on a good Sunday and, and, and a study Sunday, and we continued to grow because we started out around 40 or so. And, and so it, it, was, it was growing, and then they told me to come up to New Hanover, and I'm thinking, oh my Lord, it's a, look at the church, look at the staff. Well, you know, I don't know a lot about the community. And many of you know that I was in a roller coaster ride for eight days, and the one that took the blunt of it, more of that sounding board, was my wife. And I remember it was like towards the end of the eighth day, with the, you know, my, my wife would be like, Ricky, you know, God has been uh, with you. I said, here you are, here's a great uh, uh, appointment that you're going to be uh, having. It's like a large church. I don't remember exactly the, all the words, but I know it was a wise, wise words. When she was like, you know, just knock it off already. Get out of that roller coaster. Uh, get out of that roller coaster. Here you are. Here you, here you are. God's going to be with you the same that he was with you before. He's going to be with you then. So 
I needed, I needed that, that push to get out of that roller coaster emotional ride, the anxiety like, will I do well? Will the people accept me? Will, the, will I be able to lead the church the way that, you know, that to continue to grow? Will I, will I, will I? And just kept on going. And that's when the anxieties just keep on going up and down because there were times to be like, yes, you know what, I can do it. And then maybe the next day, it just, again, it was more of a roller coaster ride. And here Solomon is saying those words, I am like a child here trying to lead a nation too numerous that cannot be counted. Let's go to verse 9. Verse 9 says, give me an understanding. This is the response to God to that question. He says, give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. So God replied, because you have asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and not just ask for a long life or wealth or the death of your enemies, I will give you what you asked for. I will give you a wise and understanding heart such as no one else has had or ever will have. And I will also give you what you did not ask for, riches and fame. No other king in all the world will be compared to you for the rest of your life. And if you follow me and obey my decrees and my commands as your father David did, I will give you a long life. Let me pause there. I love how in verse 7, he was mentioning about the little child, of how he, was, he needed that wisdom to govern the people. But you know what? Asking for wisdom is not only, Solomon was a great example to us, but that asking for wisdom is not only for him. It is for anyone who goes before God. In James chapter 1, verse 5, the Bible says, if you need wisdom... Again, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Sometimes we don't know how to approach God or even say the words that we need to. Well, there's a words out there before, uh, I don't know if they keep on saying it, but they say that knowledge is power. But what good is knowledge, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't have the wisdom to apply that knowledge? You see, because you can have that power, but it can lead to an abuse of power. But when you have that wisdom of God that he's able to provide within you to lead others, to make wise decisions, it is so important. So knowledge is not, it should not all be by itself. You can ask for wisdom, the Bible is telling us this, and a generous God will give it to you. But by giving that, and I'll share this a few times today, is that by receiving wisdom, it comes with responsibility. The responsibility is the application of it. Let's continue on with verse, and, and so uh, 15. 15 says, Then Solomon woke up and realized it had been a dream. He returned to Jerusalem and stood before the Ark of the Lord's Covenant where he sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings. And then he invited all his officials to a great banquet. Isn't that something, ladies and gentlemen, when you are dealing with anxiety and you receive a word, a word that peace, and like the scriptures of the first one where it says, the peace that passes all understanding, which is the peace of God, he will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It seemed like after Solomon woke up and he realized that God had spoken to him through a dream, he was more at peace. He provided the, uh, the burnt offerings. He provided the peace offerings. And not only that, he invited others to come 
Solomon and celebrates. So sharing that with you is that wisdom overcomes anxiety. Think about that. If you have the wisdom, if you know what you, what's going to happen, if you have that peace of mind, the anxiety is no longer there, you just have peace and keep on going. Just like I shared about that roller coaster ride, I had this peace within me. Afterward, okay, God, it, it's in your hands. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to do the very best that I can to lead your people and to be an example myself. And so here, here it is, God. So when you're dealing with wisdom, the wisdom overcomes anxiety. But let's see what happens after that. Remember, he received wisdom. What does he do with it? Verse 16. Sometime later, two prostitutes came to the king to have an argument settled. Please, Lord, one of them began. This woman and I live in the same house. I gave birth to a baby while she was with me in the house. Three days later, this woman also had a baby. We were alone. And there were only two of us in the house. But her baby died during the night when she rolled over on it. Then she got up in the night and took my son from beside me while I was asleep. She laid her dead child in my arms and took mine beside her. In the, in the morning when I tried to nurse my son, he was dead. But when I looked more closely in the morning light, I saw that it wasn't my son at all. Then the other woman interrupted, it certainly was your son and the living child is mine. No, the first woman said, the living child is mine and the dead one is yours. And so they argued back and forth before the king. Then the king said, let's get the facts straight. Both of you claim the living child is yours and each says that the dead one belongs to the other. Well, all right then, bring me a sword. Can you imagine, ladies and gentlemen? Here you are, you're trying to uh, share, uh, give the information to the king so that way they can have a decision whether just to give me the child or give her the child or take one uh, away from me and give it to her. And he says, bring me a sword. Then he told him, on verse 25, cut the living child in two and give half to one woman and half to the other. Then the woman who was the real mother of the child and who loved him very much, cried out, Oh no, my Lord! And give her the child. Please don't kill him. But the other woman said, All right. He will be neither yours nor mine. Divide him between us. Then the king said, Do not kill the child. Give him to the woman who wants him to live, for she is his mother. When all Israel heard the king's decision, the people were in awe of the king, for they saw wisdom God had given him for rendering justice. You know, in our area of anxiety is found many times in our disagreements with each other. We saw the disagreement between the two women, and they came before God, the, the king. It's interesting that, they, uh, the women, that he was able to hear on their disagreements, let alone the prostitutes. But as the two women argued about what was true and what was a lie, King Solomon, what did he do? He listened. 
You know, listening seems like it's a lost art within our culture, within our families. Sometimes when we're listening to someone and we, if something clicks on, they're ready to respond right away before that person even finishes what they're saying. It is so important for us to learn the craft of listening because sometimes there, there, there are some moments that you don't even have words to share. But by being present with them, it speaks volumes. Let me tell you something. I know Pastor Gill and other pastors, you know, Pastor Rob and other pastors can attest to this. There are times, even as pastors, we don't even know what to say. But just to be there. And it's happened many times in my 20 years of ministry. and, And Pastor Gill has been here in this church alone just 20 years. But that happened this past week when... I was notified that Diana Smith had passed away. What do you tell someone that when you're not expecting someone to pass away? Make make that phone call or be present with them. And sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, wisdom in itself, wisdom should let us know sometimes we just have to be quiet. We just have to shut our mouths. Because our silence, our present being there, is a gift, could be a gift to that individual. Don't try to tell them how they're feeling. Don't try to compare, oh, I know what you're going through. Because you know what the reality is? You don't know what they're going through. Everyone deals with grief uh, uh, separately and, and differently. But sometimes just being there for that person who's hurting is so important in our lives. If anxiety continues to grow, we cannot figure out ways to solve it together, and then you go and you get some help. And how you get some help is that you go to and look for an unbiased person. You go and look for an unbiased person. These two women went before the king who had nothing to do with it, but he was able to listen. And he even said, okay, these are the facts. Listen up. This is what's happening. This is what I'm hearing. And then with that wisdom is able to then provide the, the, the response, that responsibility. But you look for an unbiased person. The story begins by telling us the problem was that. They went before the king. The king listened. But we as Christians, we live in a similar situation. We are people who do the wrong things. Live in unacceptable situations and battle among ourselves. And yet God the Father still listens to us. Have you ever thought about for a moment this question? Have you ever thought about the fact that sometimes you and another Christian, another follower of Christ, go to God the Father with a disagreement? Each person expects God to rule in their favor. The great part about this is that God is an unbiased God. God looks at our hearts, not our checkbooks, and not the, the color of our skin, praise God. He looks at the heart. To go before God. You know, I believe it's in Matthew chapter 18, where it talks about steps that if you are in disagreement with another person, what you should do. I don't have time to go through it, but I encourage you at one point, what happens there? On verse 28, I'm going to go back to that in a minute. Verse 28, it says, When all Israel heard the king's decision, the people were in awe of the king, and they saw the wisdom God had given him for rendering justice. 
Receiving wisdom comes with responsibility. If you receive it, know how to apply it. There are many gifts that we have received and we have let it slide. We have not even paid attention to it. We receive it, thank you God, I got it, but then you don't do anything with it. When you're receiving wisdom, it should lessen our anxieties because we have seen the scope of what we need to do to make those steps to get there. The anxieties of that King Solomon felt same way that as I felt coming to this church. Can my, all my decisions be agreed upon? Absolutely not. You know, uh, uh, serving as a pastor or as a staff or, or even a CEO of a company of things is certainly not easy. But the very best thing that I can do is continue to go to God in prayer to know if I'm able to, to continue and to give him honor, to give him glory. And I share that also because it's not an easy, not every decision will be pleasing to everyone's sight or ears. In the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be rolling out. I know that we made a decision to have mass during the worship services, and I, I ask that you continue to pray for me, pray for our leaders, pray for our, uh, our staff. We're working on a rollout plan that will take us little baby steps as we monitor the situation to see if we are able to provide a service that is a mask optional, that you can come in with your mask, but then you can remove them when you're in the seats. But there is not just a simple answer, yes or no. We have to do some investigation. We have to do some information. We got to know how's this going. You know, we can't compare where our area is versus, for example, what's happening in India. We continue to pray for them. But I ask that you continue to pray for your leaders, pray for the, the pastor uh, staff, pray for the leadership uh, council as we try to work out in this rollout plan. And one thing I want to share with you is don't be afraid of making decisions just because you've been hurt from the past. Seek God. Let Solomon give us a great example that we seek God. We ask God for wisdom. James says, go ahead, if you want to ask for wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to us. That way, as we deal with anxieties, we can go back to that Philippians passage of chapter 4, where it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your, let your generosity be evident, or gentleness be evident to all, for the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Let me finish out here before we go into communion time. Just like I shared in the very beginning, as TV, we have all these different um, uh, choices that we have to make. Many houses, many cars, and whatever type of, the more decisions, sometimes their anxiety is raised because we want to make sure we make the right decision. But you know what? When it comes into an everlasting life, I'm going to be preaching about this in a couple weeks when we deal with the elephant in the church. Is Jesus the only way? Well, let me give you a glimpse of that, is that Jesus is the only way. And I, and I want to go and expound about that a little more afterwards. But the choices, because we don't have so many choices like, again, what I just mentioned. You want everlasting life as a son of God, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That we can decide for ourselves, not what our grandparents decided on or our parents decided on but individually what we decide to accept Christ into our hearts into our lives and our everyday being and what can we do so the choice of receiving God through Christ in your hearts that is the Christ who died 
who rose, is seated at the right hand of the Father and holds the keys of hell and death. But we have to make those, that choice, and it's an individual choice. And I don't pressure anyone to uh, accept Christ into their lives. It is an invitation. God doesn't want to uh, force it upon you. But I pray that if you are looking for a relationship with God through Christ, that you ask him into your heart. And day by day that he continue to teach you his ways. More ways of his, less of yours. His will, not ours, to be done decisions. Let your anxieties in the midst of that God provide you with wisdom to know what to do. Let us pray. Loving God, we are thankful for your love, your grace, your mercy. We're thankful for your life. That in your love, in your life, we have life. We're thankful that we have gathered here and, and uh, with singing, with, with the music, with the giving, with receiving of your word. And let us prepare our hearts and minds as we receive communion today to remember all that Christ has done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, ladies and gentlemen, when you came in, you should have received a little cup like this. It has the juice, the grape juice in the bottom and a little wafer on top. So I want to prepare you for that. If you still need one, you can raise your hand and, uh, and uh, one of our ushers re receive it and, and uh, bring it to you. But for those of you who are joining us also online, if you have your elements of uh, whether it's bread or, or wafer, whatever it may be, whatever represents the body of Christ. We remember the night before he gave himself up for all of us. Jesus had a meal with his disciples. He picked up the bread. He gave thanks. He then broke it. He said, take and eat. For this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He then took the cup. He gave thanks and told them, drink from it, all of you, for this is the blood of the new covenant poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. So at this time, he's going to pause for a word of prayer. And God, we're thankful that we come to our point of our worship service, excited to come to you, Lord, with a repentant heart, forgiving us for the wrong that we have done, to receive the word today of receiving wisdom. And, the, and, and receiving wisdom overcomes, God, the anxieties in our lives. Let our decisions be focused on you. And God, we're thankful for communion today. And as we come, we're thankful for the words that Jesus shared with his disciples when he said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Well, everyone here on site, if you, there's two sleeves. The first sleeve is the clear one, where if you peel back, is a little wafer. You can take that out. Take and eat, representing the, uh, the body of Christ. And for those of you online, go ahead and share with those who are around you. And be careful opening up the second sleeve for those of you who are on site. There's uh, grape juice. 
representing the blood of Christ shed for us. Go ahead and drink. God, we're thankful that you allow us this moment in this day to remember what Christ has done for us. Continue to help us, to lead us and guide us by your precious Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Well, ladies and gentlemen, next week as we come together and celebrate Mother's Day, we invite you to, uh, to invite your family and friends to come uh, 9 o'clock or 11 o'clock as we gather together. If you are in need of prayer before you end today's service, we will have lay pastors, Stephen ministers that can pray with you and for you. They'll be in the back uh, of the section here, so we invite you to do that. Uh, with that in mind, I thank you again for working.